welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than a fire starter, a twisted fire starter. My name's Ash Rose, your host and guide on this, the original 1990s football podcast. Thank you very much for joining us once again for your weekly dose of all that was brilliant in the 1990s and football, and some that wasn't, obviously. Uh, we've got a great dose for you this week as well. Um, as regular listeners will be already aware, we have now come to the end of this week in the 90s. Last time out that we called the show, that was this week in the 90s, because we've gone from year to year, looking back at events week to week in the 1990s. Uh, but it's not the end, and never the end for us. We've got more coming up um, that will involve me, Joel, Matthew, on a regular basis. We're just trying to work out which direction we're taking it in. We've got a few irons in the fire, blah, blah, blah. So keep abreast of the Twitter feed on that. Uh, but today we've got a more feature length, as we called them, episode for you. We haven't done one of these in a while. Um, and it's a really fun look back at match of the day in the 1990s. Uh, such a staple hold of football now. Um, obviously first broadcast in, I think, 1964. Ash checks his notes. Yeah, nice. 22nd of August, 1964, uh, where one game was shown. BBC had the rights all the way up to 1988 when ITV took over before the Premier League returned in 1992. Uh, Match of the Day has been on our screens every week from that point. Uh, I'll be joined by Joel Young, of course, who you may not know this, although I think we have said it on the show anyway. He has a dissertation on football, TV and football, uh, as he did at uni, so he is well abreast of everything that was TV orientated of that era. And I'm really, really pleased to say that we've got Paul Armstrong on the show who worked as an editor on Match of the Day for most of that decade and beyond. Uh, was there for all the ups and, well, not really downs, but all the, everything that happened in the 1990s. He was there, World Cups, Euros, Premier League, you don't win anything with kids. All that, Paul was in and around Match of the Day for that. So it's a really, really fun show um, today, looking back at Match of the Day. We talked Des Lynham, Gary Lineker, uh, the commentating rivalry between uh, John Motson and Tony Gubber. Of course, Alan Hansen's quip. Uh, there's World Cups, as I said. There's so much to talk about. A lot of Borough, because Paul is a Borough fan as well, uh, alongside Joel. So yeah, there's quite a bit of Borough, but that's always fine, because I try and balance it out with other teams. But yeah, uh, disclaimer there for you. Um, and it's all off the back of Paul, uh, Paul's brand new book, Why We Always On Last, which is out now. It's a great read. If We, we go about an hour on this um, show, we're delving into Match of the Day. But if you want even a deeper delve into uh, match the, working on Match of the Day and Sports Night and uh, Question of Sport, uh, all that in the 1990s beyond, buy Paul's book, Why Are We Always On Last? Running Match of the Day and Other Adventures in TV and Football, which is out now. Um, from Waterstones, Amazon, anywhere you can buy books, basically. Um, yeah, get yourself that because it's a really, really good, really, really fascinating read. And it's a really, really fun show as well. Um, I did ask uh, a couple of weeks ago about your own memories um, on Twitter at AK90s. And a few of you got back to us. Um, Jefferson Lake, who we must get on the show of Sky Sports WWE fame. Uh, said Life O'Reilly by the Lightning Seeds for Goal of the Month competition. Of course, you can't hear that. They still should still have that music for Goal of the Month. Um, as, as, as in my opinion, uh, Greg Lansdowne, friend of the show, of course, Mr. Panini, said, Lucky by Radiohead being played on the montage to celebrate Arsenal clinching the title at home to Everton in 1998. I don't think they were using it in a negative sense, though. Uh, Stephen Graham, at StevieG81, says, Hoddle's chip. Uh, it's been the opening, I believe, if he, uh, that's what he's referring to. Paul Clark at Morphe81 says, Barry Davis and Motti. We delve deep into Barry Davis and Motti. What team are you on, Paul? Let us know. And then Michael, Mickey, why, why yeah, W-Y-A, sorry, says, I miss not having Villa in there, obviously. I also miss not having to watch Gary Lineker's smug face every week. 
which is uh, we talk. About, I actually use that term smug. I don't think I talk about Olympic. I think I'm talking about Gary um, questioning the sport. Um, but yeah, it's all about match of the day today. So yes, get involved. Um, I was. We do have a guest as well, but I'm gonna actually use that for our next show because one. Um, it's already done. I've done the interview already, so I'm not trying to, to blag you that it's not done. But we were on such a roll on talking match of the day that um, I didn't want to break it up. So we thought we'd just keep this one as, as me, Paul and Joe, and Joel talking about this famous TV show in the 1990s. And then we'll talk to uh, our next 1990s footballer face on the next show, which will be Andy Gray, who played for Tottenham and Crystal Palace in that decade, as well as a few others here and there. So we'll be talking to him the next show. But today's all about match of the day. So please do enjoy that show. Um, before I we go into that, just a reminder to follow us on Twitter at AK90s and on Instagram at AK90s pod. Been a great lot of activity over the last sort of week or two so i'm really pleased with the twitter feed so keep um hitting us up over your memories and your memorabilia and everything like that so i'm really pleased with that and keep liking and retweeting all the videos we put on there and it same goes for the if you're subscribed to us on itunes rate review share subscribe it really really does help us uh, we've gone over 100 episodes now and i really want to keep this going because we got i know people think we're going to run out of things to talk about in the 1990s but we never will um, I'm sure we will never will. So, yeah, enjoy today's show. Let's talk match of the day in the 1990s. Oh, a just quick disclaimer about the sound on this episode as well. Um, there's probably some building work happening at AK90's Tower, so there's a bit of banging in the background. I have tried to edit it down so it's a little as disturbance as possible, but there will be there's some small banging in parts. And yeah, my dog gets involved as well. He just wants to talk 90s football. He just loves getting involved. Um, so apologies, doesn't mess up any of the flow, but there is some small noise, background noise at some parts of the show. But enjoy match of the day in the 90s. Sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football. If the 90s are now retro, then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Welcome back to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The original one, of course. Uh, I am back. And we're back with a full-length episode as well. We, As I said in my intro, we're done with this week in the 90s. There's new things on the horizon. Don't worry. We've got irons in the fire and all that, all that nonsense they usually say. Uh, but today, I'm really excited about today's show, actually. Um, we're talking about something we kind of touched on, but never really gone into too much detail about. Um, but we will definitely today. Uh, we're talking about match of the day in the 90s. I kind of want to say match of the 90s, but... I don't think they ever did one of those. They should do, did they? I can't remember. We'll ask Paul in a minute anyway. Um, before we get introduce our special guest today, let's introduce our regular, Mr. Part of the Furniture. Um, and a disclaimer and warning, we, got, we have a double dose of Middlesbrough in the studio today. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of mentions of Janino, Ravnelli, probably a result a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, but we'll get on to that. But firstly, here's a social media mogul for many plethora of outfits, Mr. Joe Young. How are you doing? I'm all right, man. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Um, as... It seems everything I said about Steve McLaren was wrong. <laughs> Doesn't it? Well, it depends who you speak to and what week it is. You know, Tuesday night, he was the Messiah once again after we beat Leeds. And after the result on the weekend, we're recording this on the, the 4th of March. Uh, we lost to Brentford in the derby. Um, but of course, 
preceding both those results was our trip to the Riverside. And after one minute, I thought it was going to be a, annihilation. Actually, 2 deal was actually quite nice in the end, wasn't it? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I just thought it was going to be 5-0 after that 5-0 pace game we got at Loftus Road the night I was watching Shed 7 at the Middlesbrough Arena. How 90s is that night? You're at Shed 7, <laughs> Mark Kennedy was scoring for QPR. It's, yeah, it was, um, it, was a, it was a memorable occasion for sure. Um, but joining us as well to talk Match of the Day, somebody who was in and around us, we'll find out the TV show throughout the decade and, and beyond. Um, he's read a brilliant book as well, which we're going to talk about. Uh, Mr Paul Armstrong, welcome to the show, Paul. Well, hello, chaps. How are you? We're all good. We're very good. And how are you, sir? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not, not much. Um, I'm fine, but uh, reminding me of that 5 0 in, I think it was 98, wasn't it? Because I, uh, I was working around the corner, of course. I went to that. It was midweek. Um, yeah, I also it was went a to, Wednesday uh, night, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and we played on the Sunday, which I also went to because I used to try and get to any game that wasn't on a Saturday. And we'd lost 4 0 at Forest. We had a yeah, because we had, we had Andy, Andy Dibble, Dibble in, goal. in goal for the two games that he let in. I think it was either a quarter or a third of our, game, of our goals that we let in all season in two matches. And there were various kind of top cap jokes going around the crowd, the, the, the embittered crowd, because you know, we, we might as well have an officer dibble. And he was, he was, he had a poor father, he actually had quite a decent career, but that was probably his low, his low point. He was responsible for several of, several of the nine goals in, in a few days, if I remember rightly. It's funny you should mention Andy Dibble, actually, because it was an anniversary yesterday at the weekend. People would have seen this on Twitter going across many of the nostalgia uh, Twitter feeds, Sid Lambert included. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys remember this, the anniversary of the Andy Dibble goal that's always on that Danny Baker own goals and gaffes. Oh, the, where he chucked it up in the air and... Um, He's playing for City, uh, I think, and Gary Crosby yeah, nods the head. Forrest, Gary yeah, Crosby nips it, yeah. out, nips it out of his hands. Yeah, yeah. Funny, just funny that you mentioned him. Um, yes, yeah, so you're obviously a Borough fan as well, so we've got a double dose of Middlesbrough and you said you were at the game against QPR a couple of weeks ago. Were we as bad yes, as, I was. as people said? No, we were? you weren't really. I mean, actually, that was about the best we've played in quite a while. You were unlucky <laughs> to catch us, on a, catch us on a day where we got our act together because we, we haven't been very good at home. We've been better away. Except, except actually, I also went to the Loftus Road where we, we managed, that was one of our only three defeats away from home. Mm. So yeah, but it was that, that was, horrible. It, it, was, it was tanking down with rain, wasn't it? It was, a it was rubbish. Were you, were you there, Joe? It was rubbish, wasn't no, it? No, we I wasn't there. No, we you did yourself a favour. It was me. It was mis- I took my I took my wife to that one. She comes. She's from Stockton, so she comes occasionally. She didn't come up, but she, she uh, sort of uh, had a, a bit of a never again moment as we got soaked with horizontal rain going in our faces in that in that in that, in that uh, is it school end or whatever you call it. Where you know where you, yeah, you, you, can't, you can't see yeah. the, you can't see the near you can't see the near goal line. Yeah. Probably just as well. Most of that yeah. yeah, people were saying to me about the away end, and you can't see anything. Like I would know. I was like, I've never sat in the away end at QPR. Why? Even when Fulham played there, we never played. So uh, yeah, I, I always hear that it's not a great view. But the, there's many seats in the loft that aren't particularly brilliant either. So, but God bless Loftus Road. We do, we do love. Oh that yeah, I love, no, I, do, I do. I love it as a ground. And when I was obviously I was working around the court TV centre, which well actually through the nineties and, and and until we went to Salford, and you know not not that long ago. So uh, yeah, it was a place. It was kind of my second ground actually. I went up. We went. If it was a midweek game or whatever, we were quite a lot of used to go around. So, where that brief, yeah, that brief period when it was like a Formula One when Bernie Eccleston was yeah, running it, of course. And uh, and, you, and if you, if you went it, a couple of times, if you went into sort of the, the nice seats, you'd have all these kind of airline hostesses. And I think I saw I think I saw uh, like Naomi Campbell there. Yes, that's famous night. night. Yeah, that Naomi Campbell yeah. came to Loftus Road. Yeah, oh, fun times. <laughs> What's the four-year yeah, plan? Like, it's, it's, it's sort of reverted. It's reverted back to its normal yeah. um, self now, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. For anyone who's never seen it, it's not very nineties. But watch the four-year plan for Bernie and Flavio and all that. It's a fantastic. Oh, that was extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. Um, when we have new people on, Paul, what we always ask them, and this is probably the easiest question for any nineties football fan. Uh, I always ask him a couple of questions first before we kick off with the theme. 
Um, your favourite Middlesbrough player of the 90s? This must be the easiest well, that's question. Fairly easy. Yeah, yeah that is. So that's <laughs> I, I your... I, I, we'll, we'll take that as we'll take that as ready. Well, along with Graham Souness, he's my favourite Middlesbrough player of all time. So um, yeah, he's the comfortably, comfortably my player of the 90s. Yeah, that is the name Giannino, of course. It's it. Sorry, I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I didn't want to, oh, didn't want to name him. I thought it was just you know, you know who basically. But yes. Well, we have yeah. to. It's Ginny, part yeah. of the uh, the alive and kicking bingo card. If anyone plays along at home, okay. it's, we have to give a, a mention to, to Janino. Have we been on since his birthday, Joe? Because we went a bit mental that day, didn't it, on Twitter? Yeah. We. I, what did I tell you? It was the flying the, the header against Chelsea. Chelsea the, yeah. I was, at that, the, I was at that game as well, but that, that was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, when he starts the move and he gets out to Nickelback and Beck crosses it in and uh, there's Judinho with a diving header, all five foot five yeah. I love the angle yeah. of that goal, that the because it's the only one I can find online. You always see the angle because it's not like the, the standard, you know. Oh, the low angle. Yeah, low angle, and you can yeah, really you see the movement. You, from, coming at camera, yeah, yeah it's fantastic. Really, it's a great angle of that goal. Um, and then, Paul, outside of Middlesbrough, do you have a favourite player of the 90s who you, you resonate with? Oh, that's a good question. Actually, um, ooh, I did quite like Ginola. Actually, I, mean, yeah. I, 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 I like. I, I was, that was how I saw myself as a footballer. A bit, a, a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a fancy pants. I, I always enjoy watching him. Um, yeah. I'll think of somebody else. Was, was no, that's a good one. Off the top, off the top of my head. Yeah, he's very nineties as well, wasn't he? That kind. I worked of... with him. I worked with him at the ninety-eight World Cup as well, and um, he gave me he gave me a huge bear hug when he when I'd done a music item about Brazil. So, it was, which was a kind of a, you know, quite a, quite a quite a. Quite a sweet moment. Have you ever... <laughs> all I can think of is my mum being very jealous that you got a hug from David Ginola because he, he's yeah, a... actually all the, all the women work. Yeah, I work, can imagine. Yeah, yeah have that kind of effect. Yeah, he's a, he's a good looking man for sure. <laughs> um, before we talk about match of the day, let's talk about the book first of all. I love the title, um, Paul, because it's, it's, I have two big beefs with Twitter and football um, and involving media in that. One of them is the title, which we'll get on to a second. The first one is always when we get to Sports Personality of the Year. And some little joker always pops up thinking he's the first person to say it, going, why did he win? He's got no personality. And I no, just scream, yeah. it's just the name of the award. It's just exactly. the name. It gets, oh, it really annoys me. And, and they it, say it about people like Andy Murray, where it's actually not true. You know? Yeah, who's it's actually just, quite, but, any, but anyway, yeah, that's yeah. not yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah he's quite got a great, right, a dry right. sense of humour. And then the other one is why I imagine you entitled this book, Why Are We Always On Last, is people who moan about it. Because firstly, it doesn't matter. You're all on the show and you're going to watch <laughs> it anyway. So does it matter what order you're in? And if you're on last, it means your game's been either very, very dull or very, very insignificant. So get over it and just watch Manchester of the Day. Is that kind of your thinking? Well, of, you, of, of, you, just put that so, you just put that so succinctly. So just, well, I didn't, because that would have been the book, basically. <laughs> that, that, but your one paragraph there was, no, it, that's not true, actually. No, it's just, it's just, it's just the theme of the thing. But yes, exactly that. I mean, most of the time it's quite funny. Because, yeah. you know, by about October every season, 15 teams would have been in touch. So we're on, always on last. And obviously it's not, not mathematically possible <laughs> for a start. But... Um, and then the other five are convinced you love them, you love their local rivals and hate them, and they've got you know they've got some agenda, and you only put them on first when they lose. So you, you by by about two or three months of the season, all twenty clubs are furious with you, and it's it's kind of funny. I mean, it's kind of funny, <laughs> including Borough fans. To be honest, Joe, you can remember that. I mean, it, and sometimes it'd be true if you if you drew one one with West Brom and we were tenth and they were eleventh, they might well be last match. But that's because you were doing. I mean, actually, careful what you wish for, because if you're mid table and not going to go down, not going to ch- challenge for for you know Champions League places you might be last by this time of the season yeah well yeah and, uh, and that would I would be sort of quite happy with that really well yeah that's exactly that's what I kind of thought yeah with us being up and down but a lot of the time people they just don't take the sort of sensible view that 
you know, Manchester United have won 5 0 or whatever. You know, it, it's not going to be the day's most exciting game necessarily yours, your, your well, own people, against the weather. There were loads of people mo- moaning, loads of people moaning on Saturday. It was not my show anymore, but they were moaning that Bournemouth Man City was second in the running order. Well, you know, this is a title race going yeah. on. Okay, it was only 1 0. Yeah, fine. And whatever was last week, West, uh, West Ham Newcastle was 2 0. But West Ham uh, mid table, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. that's an irrelevant they're game. Gonna yeah. be, so, they're probably going to be safe. So. Sorry, Joe, say that again. I was just going to say, is that why you, because you, didn't you have um, at MOTD editor on Twitter for a <laughs> yeah. bit? A foolish bit. I've done, I've done a chapter on that, actually. I've called it, I've called it anti-social, as in A-U-N-T-I-E. Social. Yeah. Well, I ran that and I also did blogs, which blogs were better, but you you still have to deal with all the responses. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I thought, I thought I'll be, I thought, I which I thought I can put the running order up early and I can, you know, explain things to people. And, if, and people ask, no, oh, no answer is yeah, good enough terrible, in telly. Terrible mistake. Terrible. Yeah. Mistake. I mean, funny, Lineker, Lineker fortunately took it off me. I think he kind of, you know, felt sorry for me. <laughs> how badly I was, how badly I was handling it. It's all, yeah, I, I know, I know, I know how to make this work and, and took it on. And I think because it's him, because he's, he, everything bounces off him, to be honest. He was absolutely, he does it very cleverly. Even he occasionally gets a bit irritated, but he does it so, Sort of humorously and cleverly that he doesn't he even gets most people on his side. I just ended up having a, having a massive ruck for about three hours after every match of the time. <laughs> anybody and everybody. Oh, the Twitter oh, can't do it. You, you, honestly, I've done it with so many TV shows, and it's like when something's happened, and I just go, I, "It's not for me to do." You know, I've been I've been dropped into some incredible situations, uh, <laughs> um, and it's just like you know what? I can't argue. I can't go out. I can't win this. I can't win this. No. Uh, this thing against this wave of nonsense. So I'm just going to walk away and, and leave it for the day. And if the channel want to deal with it, the channel can deal with it. Exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, in my case, I mean, so, oh, yeah, it was really awful if you have to kind of try and defend things that actually weren't your doing. You know, that's the, probably the worst. But in my case, obviously, running order was my doing. So I kind of felt, well, I, I ought to explain it. But then you've got the one, the one, the one season I gave up on it was when um, the titles all had a little bit of each, t- just, a, just a sort of hint of every team in it. And the Stoke fans couldn't find theirs. You know, we had some kind of army <laughs> shot of Peter Crouch's left ear or something, sort of yeah. you know, the, the, a little hint of red and white stripes heading up. And, they, and once they just, you know, then I just pointed out where it was. You know, it's, it's 23 seconds in, after, you know, after the, the badge of Everton or whatever it was. And they just went nuts. Well, it's only on for half a second. Man United are on for a, minute, for a second and oh, a half. God. You know, it's like, oh. We have this whole thing, but we haven't measured how long. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Well, it, I thought I've, I've had enough now. It's like the. Enough. The argument of Man United being shown in the FA Cup every round, and people go like are up in arms about it. It's like it makes business sense for for a TV yeah, company. Yeah, I mean, it does go that goes just go too far sometimes. I mean, I, I must admit, we, I, and again, you get. I mean, um, the the channel controllers always want big clubs on. So basically, yeah. you've got a chance because you can occasionally say, "No, look, we are going to go to Newport. We are going to." You know, uh, but you still have to give them a big a, a block. I mean, this season's been easy because you've had Arsenal, Man U, and then yeah, you had Chelsea, Chelsea Man U, and then they've yeah. done a they've done a smaller a, a smaller game as well. But BT, yeah, if you're BT and you think we have to sell subscriptions, you know, you can understand. I mean, they've, they've gone too far. Is it Man U Reading? This yeah, that was a terrible, I, I, yeah. I actually thought I don't want to, I don't, I just don't want to watch that. I'm no. not interested because they're going to win. And I'm not just, there's no interest in that at all for me. But uh, yeah, you're right. It's it, With BBC, I always try to balance that. We did always try and do a sort of classic cup tie every round, like Newport Leicester this year was, a, was, was, the, was the best 
live game I've seen all season, actually. I know you saw it. And then I, yeah. and then I made a mistake of thinking I'll go down and watch Borough at Newport in the replay when we got there. And yeah, that's the same thing. They did, they did the same thing to us. So, um, <laughs> But even then, you, you kind of, it's, it's not as painful as many things. You think this is the FA Cup. This is what it's about. It's about Newport giving, you know, so-called bigger clubs a, 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 a bit of a kicking. Uh, and yeah, so they would do that and then they'd do a big game as well. But you never, you're never going to please everybody. But the, the audience figures, I mean, that Chelsea man, you've got the biggest live football audience since the World Cup. You've got like nine million or something watching it. So I guess, you you know, and the BBC has to justify paying the contract. So, so you have to have some audience figures in return for it. Yeah, no, no exactly. That's why I always say, if I'm with people moan about it, it's kind of, no, that's, it's Man United. They're going to get the most viewers. So. For sure, yeah. for sure. I mean, they shouldn't do them every single round. I would definitely avoid it when they're at home to a championship club or whatever. I think, I think, they, I think they, it's, it's overdone sometimes. But we had, we had battles when I was doing the job. You'd, have, you'd get annoyed with the controllers just desperately wanting to do a big club come what may. Uh, but you could usually, you could usually, comp, you know, there's, you, there's a compromise. There's so many games on now on around the FA Cup weekend. You can have a mixture of both, hopefully. Yeah. So, Paul, just like, because me and Ash already basically know, but can you explain to everybody? What your actual job was, what your title yes, was, what you did yes. day to day, like that. Yes, good, good question. Because yeah, it's. I mean, it, it, it was editor in the sense of a sort of newspaper editor, or or like the duty editor on a newspaper who's there putting the putting the edition uh, on paper overnight. So you would basically be doing the the running order, making everything fit, um, the talk to the pundits about what analysis they were going to do. So in fact, you've got an, you've got an hour and a half blank sheet of paper. What order are we going to do it in? Um, how long are we going to give each game in terms of the edit? And then the flexible bits that chat out of it. So on on the air, if anything sort of overruns, you're having to look later in the show and think, well, where can I cut a bit out? And that tends to be why the lesser, t- you know, the, the lesser games later on get less analysis or you, you sort of see them suddenly summarising a game in 15 seconds. It's usually because someone like me thought something's wrong. Um, so that was, that was it. As opposed to the individual editors who edited individual games, uh, VT editors, and each of them would have a producer with them. So you'd have eight, say, eight games on a Saturday. You'd have a, a channel editing each game, and me as the editor kind of overseeing all of that and trying to make the guy, it fit. The guy did that on my visit. Did you? What did you do? Did I, did Borough, I did Borough Coventry. And, oh, and oh, the glamour. Coventry, Middlesbrough, and we won 2-0 <laughs> in, the, in the opening game of the 2000 season. And yeah, there was nobody covering Boris. I just went, well, do you want me to do it? <laughs> I was it. Just for just for people don't know, uh, Paul invited me down to the match of the day when I just had finished university and was trying and failing to get a job on match of the day. <laughs> but I went down and had a day there, and I also had my dinner with St Trevor Brookin, so that was lovely. Oh, um, did he? Wasn't always nice man is as well, isn't he? I mean, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he was. Uh... Good company. Oh, drag, dragged us off. Dragged us off to go and have sausage and mash with him. Oh, oh yeah. How West Ham? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. He is. He's yeah, for, all, for all he's kind of he's, he's very he's very refined and nice man. But he has, yeah, he's basically very West Ham. Yeah. Yeah. In a nice in a nice in way. In the nicest possible way. Yeah. No. Yeah. He's not one of those people who chases you around after the game. No. Of course. No. Ham, no. 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 Of course. Um, Paul, I mean, let's just just get a brief summary of where you how you got into it because I've I've started to read the book. It's really really interesting because um, it's the sort of thing that I. Sort of love reading all the time. This insight into, into into this sort of type of show. So you were on Question of Sport, which is one of John's yeah. favourites in 2019. Oh, I hate, I hate it. Question of Sport. Yeah, I did it back in the cut. This is 30 years ago, uh, Joel. I did, I did, the, I did the David Coleman, Billy Beaumont, and uh, Emily Hughes era. So that was, oh, that right. was okay. probably a bit. Deep. But I mean, it was. I mean, it has gone on for an incredibly long time. Well, we were, we were discussing it last week. That Sue, we couldn't believe that Sue Barker had been doing it since the. Like, to me, it's like a few years. But she's been doing it since like 1999. It's ridiculous. Mm. 
Is she really? Yeah, yeah. So she's probably done it. Probably done it longer than yeah. me. Yeah, I guess. I know, and, I, and, I say, and you still in my head. It's a David Coleman show, and it's it's bizarre. yeah, yeah, and mine. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's funny, isn't it? You, it that, that's what happens as you get older, though. Yeah. Suddenly, <laughs> is that really twenty on years it, ago? On a Thursday at half past eight. Is that right? Yeah. That really I don't like? know. They moved it around a lot, didn't they? Question as Bolt. Yeah, and then we did it. In my head is a Thursday. Yeah, show. it probably was at some point. Yeah. So, so what, were, what were you doing there, Joe? Were you on, were you on the production team, or were you just got a question spot? Yeah. Oh no, nothing. No, no, no. Just... I just don't. I just don't like the show. I'm always. Oh, sorry, I, thought said, I thought you said you worked on it. Sorry, I missed. I missed no, no, no. Yeah, no, I, I don't watch it anymore. I have to, do, to be perfectly diplomatic and honest. I think it has, you know, it's, but it, you know, it, it, old people like it. Don't they? It's yeah, it's, a, it's one of those. It's a, my dad watches it's a, it's, it. It's, yeah. it's sort of, it's sort of quite, it's quite harmless, isn't it? You just, you just, just, just don't watch it's, it if you don't want to. It's but, just very then, smug it's now. Yeah, just... yeah, yeah. And it has, it has probably has gone on too long. I mean, but it was, uh, it was amazing for me to work on so early in my in my career, particularly with Coleman. He was a very sort of very demanding guy. I mean, he had, you know. A, a, I mean, I hadn't. I'd encountered long after his kind of uh, his peak when he was doing grandstand, and but it, it, back in the day in the seventies, he was he was pretty much running BBC Sport. He was editing, producing. He was he was a he dragged it into the modern era really because it was it was a very gentleman amateur sort of it, um, place. Back in the fifties and sixties, it was gin and tonics and you know, the pavilion at Lords and you know sort of very very much. You can remember how the old commentators used to be. Yeah, yeah. very very old fashioned BBC, and he and he came from a grammar school in Cheshire and. Was a was a good runner himself, and just wasn't having any of this, and kind of <laughs> turned it, you know, dragged it into the journalistic well, that, modern era. There's that famous clip of him shouting and screaming, isn't there? When they have yes. there's, there's a VT at the Olympics, is it? And that's and right. They yeah. haven't got it, and he's he's going wild for about two minutes about it, and then they go on air, and he just switches from screaming and shouting to but hey, they go welcome to World Cup Grandstand or whatever it was, <laughs> yeah, which he could he, which he could do, and he's exactly the same on Question of Sport, which is if you didn't he didn't like the look of a question, you get hauled out in front of the the rehearsal. There was a rehearsal with pub teams, and the pub teams sort of gave him gave him a different answer. He'd haul you out and just give you an absolute, yeah, you know, just go off and double double triple check this. I don't like the sound of that. And it was you know, really, I mean, for somebody who's straight out of university or whatever it so was, it was uh, it was it did it did put a rocket up you. Uh, and I think he was the same. When he, I think even more so back in the day, back in those days when he was shouting and screaming at people at the Olympics and World Cups. He, you know, he had every, everybody got far more professional really as a result of it it's slightly slightly uh, sergeant major kind of approach but uh, i feel yeah, like there should be like a, a netflix show like that studies david coleman there should be like a drama it sounds like it's there's, there's there for the billing for sure oh yeah but but the thing with him was he was he did it in such a way that you end up people were incredibly loyal to it. it's a bit like you get in football it's that sort yeah. of thing with fergie or whatever you know where it's blind we don't met oh you remember at school you know if you get a teacher who allowed you to mess around you never do anything done whereas if somebody came who was a, just a, had that sort of voice and that kind of air about me he was like that you know he just suddenly sort of ch- jumped to attention mm. uh i have to say he's very good for me i mean i was a you know sort of classic sloppy 22 23 year old you know probably hadn't checked my questions as well as i should have done and it was actually very good for me mm. um before that before we get back into match of the day i mean joel as we know on this you did your dissertation on on football and television and as you always say you weren't on the first show we did on it which i apologize for um <laughs> where were we in as so let's get 1990 we'll talk about paul and the match of the day where he was at that point but where was football coverage in the night because it was it was all itv and as we as matthew talks about on here a lot yeah. uh, the, the match and, uh, and our friend elton wellsby wasn't it in 1990 yeah very much so wasn't it and the, the, the there is this kind of um false feeling across lots of people that there was always football on uh, domestic 
you know, ITV, BBC, and there wasn't really. You'd, pick, you'd get a few sort of games a season. I mean, it was there like one season in, was it 1986, Paul, where there wasn't a live game on television at all or something? I think that's right. There was, there was, there was, there was, there was supposed to be some on ITV. Was there a strike or something? There was, or, or, or did the, did the, did the, did the clubs, or the, uh, the leagues and the, team, the broadcasters fall out with each other? And they, there was nothing. I think, I think it was something like that. Yeah. I mean, there was yeah. very little. There was very little when I joined the BBC. I mean, I, I, uh, yeah. That year, 1990, we, we, we'd have done... Did we do, I'm not sure we were doing live FA Cup ties at that, but the Cup final, but it was hardly, hardly any live. The ITV would have the occasional live game, and it was nearly always Liverpool, or certainly was in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was a, um, a pretty thin fare, really. I mean, people, I think people have no idea, really, how... how um, well, and back in my day, in the 70s, there was, there was just literally the Cup final, maybe England-Scotland. It was a really, really, really thin. You'll get uh, more in. You, you will get more in a week on Sky now than you would have done in a season. I think that's literally now. true. Yeah, that'll be literally true. Yeah. Mm. Was, and people was, moan was, about I... what's on last. They don't even know. At least they're getting games every week. Well, that's the other thing with the what's on last. If you go back to even to the nineties, when we got the contract back in ninety two for the Premier League, it was the revolution was you had a single camera every game. So you had two two main games as they'd always had a match though with full camera coverage. But you only had single camera like you would get on a roundup for yeah. League One or League Two now. It was the equivalent of that for all the other Premier League teams. And that was regarded as a sort of revolution. This is an amazing offering. You can see your team's goals. That's probably what you were locking Coventry Borough, I guess, was yeah, I think probably, so, probably yeah. one probably one camera which was just sort of being recorded and they were going to go and find the goals later. But you you being there obviously helped them, you know, helped them to sort of note it down. But yeah. in 92, that was regarded as the, the revolutionary offering. You can see, but all, all you got in terms of uh, coverage was about a minute of your team on single camera, if, mm. if you were borrowed. Well, that, that's what I remember growing up. And I think we put some um, videos last week of the, the match of the day, because like, you would get, as like you say, two main games and then the rest rounded up like Ray Stubbs or Gary Newborn voiceover yeah. with those the graphics of the two badges together. Um, and when I even see that now, I get all like, oh, you know, people don't know how lucky you get, you know, five minutes from a game. When QPR got back in the Premier League in, the, in 2010, I was like, oh, yeah, we're getting like actual five minutes, not just the goals. It, it was revolutionary to well, me. Well, that's, that's right. And then in 2004, when we got it back after the little hiatus when it went to ITV, we actually thought that the coverage, I think the Premier League started to say there needs to be multi-camera coverage because we're selling it around the world. So that was part of the contract. And we actually thought, well, let's put a commentary on each one of these and mm. put them out for five, at least five minutes. And we thought, everyone loves us for this. And instead, which within a month it had gone to, we're always on last. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, we are on. We are on. We are covered properly. And you can see some different angles of the goals. But why are we always on last? Which is, see, you know, see, that's you what football fans are like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Since you just mentioned that ITV hiatus for the Premiership, um, and they obviously went to seven o'clock. Now, um, when I talked to Mr. Sloan originally, Mr. Sloan, the former head of football at the BBC, is that right? Is that his yes, title? absolutely. Yes, yeah. My, and my now he's at, is he ITV oh, yeah. still now? He's still at ITV now. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And he said to me that um, that they, I think I talked to him when that was just about to happen, and he said he said they're going to put it on at seven o'clock, and we wanted to do that for ages, but then we realised it wouldn't work. I mean, is that how true is that? Did you? Was he, that... Yeah, he'd have, been, he'd have been close. I mean, I've mentioned in the book that it'd definitely been moved to the BBC. I mean, I have some sympathy for ITV over that because I know that people like Des, it had been talked about, wouldn't it be great if we could get this on in a, in a, in a more of a peak time? And also, if you look back then, it used to slip. Whereas now, it's kind of pretty much set in stone. It won't be later than ten thirty. I don't think that was in the contract then. So they would just they put it in almost as a filler. They knew it would get a good audience, even if it was on at five past eleven. So it wasn't. Mm. Met, it was going all over the schedules. And Des and then Brian Barber could also go on to ITV. I think it had been talked. I didn't know. I, Niall probably knows more than I do in terms of it being rejected. But I know they definitely talked about it. 
And then obviously the, the, the problem from an ITV point of view is it replaced Blind Date. So not yes. only did Blind, did Blind Date have loads of sort of supporters in the um, in the press and so on, and I'm sure I'm sure Scylla was kind of conducting a, a mm, little, little campaign, campaign yeah, about how, yeah. how dare they. Um, so it replaced that, and also just adverts, because if regardless of the fact it was still a quite slickly produced show, and they were doing quite well to get on at 7 o'clock, that was quite difficult with technology in those days. Um, they just didn't have enough football, because it was just, yeah, they had to get their adverts, and the, and the editorial thing, like you were saying earlier about live games, they were really, really stuck with doing the big teams, because it was, we're not going to get the audience unless yeah. we put the big teams on at length. Uh, and so for all those reasons, and then people started measuring how, how much football there was in the show, yeah, we were more God. popular. We were more popular by not being on than we ever were when we were on. You know, it was three years where we were sort of heroic figures just because everybody, you know, didn't like the new offering and therefore thought that the match of the day must be marvellous. Um, so yeah, it was probably probably in some ways the best thing that ever happened to us. It was quite odd. How was it in '92 though, when the so match of the day had been off air for since the mid '80s since ITV had picked up the contract? How big a deal was yeah. it? How how you mentioned the doing showing every team. What other plans were in place to to make? match of the day's return like this big thing alongside the Premier League yeah I mean it was a massive thing it was a massive thing and obviously having every team on was, was something new um, and I think I mean Hanson Hanson came into his own I think again people saw Hanson in his later days when he was you know getting on a bit and he was on possibly too often because he was on a long a big contract and they wanted him on every show back in 92 he and Andy Gray changed analysis pretty significantly to be honest I mean it had been fairly I always sort of used the civil faulty line about uh, your specialist subject that bleeding obvious and that was an <laughs> analysis partly because the coverage wasn't so good so you usually had main angles you didn't have much else to show but he and Andy Gray started doing that thing of well you might think this is a good goal but just look at this fella not tracking back and stuff that you take for granted now started to sort of happen around about then uh, so that was part of it. Um, I mean, to be honest, we didn't think we were going to get it, keep it for very long. I think in 92, you'd ask most people, I, I can certainly remember the conversation saying, well, we're lucky to get this off the back of Sky getting the live rights, but we'll be eaten up, eaten up here in the end because, you know, Sky have got huge financial backing. The live rights are going to, are going to sort of snowball as they did. But what we didn't foresee really was that because everything got so complicated because you can, you, everything's all over the place now with BT and Amazon and, you know, and but even the fact that you just couldn't, Follow all the live football match of the day is your one-stop shop, and, and that's still still the case to this day, which we, none of us ever saw coming. So well, in '92, we thought, we, we, sorry, so, no, go on, I keep interrupting. Go on. No, no, it's no, sorry, no, no, no it's fine. I, I just say, yeah, in '92, we thought we'd probably have it for three years or you know not much more. So it was just an exciting adventure at the time, and the Premier League was new. I don't think the Premier League had quite the cash that it has now. I think I think the, the sort of the thing about football started in 1992. It didn't feel like that at the time. I don't know if you remember. It yeah. felt like a, it's just a rebranding, yeah. really. But it meant we meant we got the rights, um, and you know, you'd never have foreseen it would still be on this 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 month, twenty-seven years later. Do you think though that Sky and the Premier League and BT, Amazon, etc., see Match of the Day as almost like an hour and a half advert for them? Yes, I do. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. It's, it's also a kind of fig leaf of respectability for the Premier League, if you know what I mean. Because if they're accused of selling out and making hundreds of millions, which they do, they have got this. The BBC brand, which is non-commercial, you know, traditional, gives them something to say. Well, look, we do. There is a free-to-air offering. My dad, who hasn't got Sky or BT or any of it, watches Match of the Day, and yeah, loads of kids, loads of kids watch the watch the um, Sunday morning repeat with their parents or whatever. Yeah. So you've got that. You've got which is which is to be fair, it does put them give them the moral high ground over, say, cricket or golf or whatever. They've just completely sold the entire sport out, and yeah. as a result, people don't know who you know Joe Root. 
is nowhere near as well known as Ian Botham was in our day, for example, because he's just not on terrestrial telly. Mm. Um, and and even more so with golf. I mean, golf is just completely lost to most of the public now. Um, so I they could, have yeah. done that. I, I'm been not clever. a golf fan and couldn't name you like a, a big time golfer now, you know. So I, I no, can see you, your point. you think back to Seve Balance, yeah. and Co, or, or both, or people like that who were genuinely right in the top half dozen sports people that you knew back in the day. Um, and that has kind of gone. And the Premier League have been smart with that and thought, well, we're going to make plenty of money overseas and, and from domestic TV rights. So let's always make sure we've got a, a terrestrial outlet. I mean, the BBC still has to pay quite a lot of money for it, but in the scheme of things, compared to the live rights, it's minuscule. Uh, and it allows it to be to be free to air somewhere. So they've been, none of us saw that coming in '92. It's been, it's been it's been quite smartly handled all round, you know, um, in the intervening 27 years. Mm. The coverage the... is insane. I was doing some stuff at ING uh, last year, and I didn't know about like the international feeds. And they, oh yeah, extraordinary. Nuts. Yeah, they have a proper that's... sort of proper sort of setup for every single match don't they so i mean i know people who work on that it's quite, it's quite provides a lot of employment for people who didn't go to Salford and things like that so it's uh yeah it's enormous isn't it well, it's, they it's, show, it's... they'll show every game then they've, they've got their version of soccer saturday that goes on but they're showing a game while that's happening and then they'll yeah. cut to the other goals in the games and then you've got your analysis and then but like the whole kick and caboodle must be about 12 14 hours long from sort of preview yeah. to they do a phone in with there's another couple of people that do it but you know it's like I was like how is this still going on it's been on for 14 hours it's like oh it's this every weekend and on a Sunday and you know sometimes you get six hours on a Monday so it's wild that um, what people get abroad and I don't think I think we all know that the Premier League's a big deal abroad but I don't think I didn't quite realise how big until I went there and had a little nose around and everything and yeah. It's, it's kind of it's kind of a bit it's a bit un, unnerving when you go someplace, isn't it? Where you where it's kind of almost the main thing that people are talking about. I, mean, I went to Uganda with Sport Relief once, and I've uh, been a few places in the sort of Far East, and and it's it, it's almost the main topic of conversation. Particularly, say you're British, when forty is the it's forty is the first thing they ask you about. I mean, in Europe, they probably ask you about politicians or whatever, but <laughs> in the Far East or Africa, they actually they actually have something to say about the Premier League, and they, and they know stuff that you don't know. You can get in a taxi somewhere. And they'll tell you about you know, the day's transfer business or whatever. And you think, Come on, this is kind of nursery. Yeah. It's become the world's <laughs> It's the, the world's, world's game. Yeah, it's the world's game. And sure. um, let's talk about Des Lynham because for us on the show, we constantly talk about how much we love Des, Uncle Des, yeah. as he was um, to us growing up. What was he like to work with? Was he as cool, calm and suave as we saw him on TV as, 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 as he was in real life? Yeah, pretty much he was. I mean, the first match of the day I did was, was, was with him, which was daunting in a way, but also... You're in safe hands. You know, you weren't. He wasn't. He did as long as you didn't ask him to do something ludicrous that he hadn't done before. Or, you know, he, then he just raised an eyebrow at you. He wasn't sort of. He wasn't a shouter. He wasn't well, anything even, like a David Coleman. He was a, he was a very worse than a pollocking. Oh well, yes, I had one or two. One or two of those, but he was. Oh, he was lovely. He was lovely. He was a real, real gent. I mean, he's a fantastic broadcaster. I mean, yeah. Lineker watched watched him a lot. So a lot of that less is more. If something goes wrong, just say well you, you love it when that happens don't you just play along with it don't don't start panicking or covering your tracks just just be cool you know and he was wonderful i mean the, the only time he ever i think i ever remember him forgotten what he was doing was in 1990 when he was uh, stuck at the back of a stand at england cameroon he didn't get those positions that you now get when you do games abroad they decided to send him to the england court finals but he's in a just in a cauldron of noise and forgot what he was about to say and that was literally it, I think, in his whole career, where I ever saw him. And even then, he came up with the line about sea Naples and dry, which is 
which was brilliant, which mm. you eventually thought we had thought of a few minutes later. Um, so he was just, he was just, yeah, no, he was, he was peerless. I was, again, very, very lucky to work. Yeah. I think my favourite Des line is the opening to the, I think it's England, Tunisia, France, Norway. Oh, you should, shouldn't you be at work? Shouldn't you be at yeah. work? Because it's, it, yeah, it's, it's just that kind of, what the one-liners he had in made you just instantly go, oh, and I don't think, and this isn't a nostalgic thing for me, I just don't think anyone's managed to capture that kind of just, that the own the TV like Des Lynham did. No, I think that's I think that's true, and I think yes, I, I, he, he, and he was the first to do anything like that. I've, I've de- detailed in the book how he changed Grandstand because I mean I worked on Grandstand a bit when I was first there, and it became just wittier and yeah. you know, it, you know, it didn't it didn't lose its kind of journalism or, or be or get silly, but it just would it would just be a bit wry if you think he was in the Winter Olympics and he was doing some absolutely ludicrous obscure thing you know biathlon or whatever he'd say you know he'd say Tony Gubber and you can't you can't get a ticket for this north of the Arctic Circle you know sort of, with a little look to camera <laughs> saying basically I know this isn't, the best, <laughs> isn't going to be the best half an hour you've ever seen but you know but doing it in a way that didn't kind of rubbish it just was just sort of like Ironic and witty, and he, he was he was superb. Joe, how do you my favourite one? Are we going to yeah. we going to tell my story on, now? My favourite Des line. Uh, we have told this a million times on this podcast, but I just happened. I'm not into tennis, but I happened to have Wimbledon on one day in the house, and um, the, and the cut from a game to go to to go to Des live, and they just went, "Oh, we're just going to interrupt this game. We've got a, got a big bit of football news here." Um, <laughs> Fabrizio Ravinelli, um, you know him, the guy with the grey hair. Nothing wrong with that. European <laughs> Cup winner. Well, he's just signed for Middlesbrough, so we thought Brilliant. that might be important for you to enjoy. But yeah, the white feather—that's two of us in the Premier League. And then wait, I was like, uh, what? Brilliant. Okay, so like, like, like the nothing wrong with that's the best bit, isn't it? Just, yeah, the nothing. Yeah, nothing wrong with yeah, with the grey hair. So dry. So I mean. How does Lineker compare for you, Paul? Because, like you say, you you can see that he studies him a lot. Did you always know that Gary would Mm -hmm. be the the mentor? Because he started really early on as a pundit, didn't he? That's how we know him in the 90s, alongside Brooking and and, and Hanson. Did you always know that he was going to follow in Desi's footsteps? To be honest, no. I was quite surprised. I've I've worked with him all the way through. Because when in 92, he was a reporter in Barcelona at the Olympics, having with the Bernard Barcelona connection. And he was always, yeah, he's a very bright guy. And you can see he was catching on to everything quite quickly he kind of he went and did various pieces around Barcelona and did them well but no I never saw him quite becoming what he did I mean when he started as a presenter I, I like it in the book to the Beatles you know you start off doing she, uh, she Loves You and then you you know within three or four years you Revolver and Sergeant Pepper it's that kind of development with him where you, you didn't necessarily see it coming but you just got to get the base you, yeah. you do the basics uh, and I think even he I think I mean, he's, he's definitely talked about it where you know, early on in it he thought I'm never going to be any good at this, or, I'm only, or at best, I'm only going to be competent. But just somewhere in it, he just eased into it. Um, he did what he did learn a lot from Des, and a lot, a lot of very good things like don't don't overburden your uh, your, your links with facts. You know, yeah. you see other presenters who just want to tell you tell you how much they know about everything, and that he 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 like Des kind of realised you've got to be a little bit above that. Let John Motson or whoever do that. Yeah, you've got to be you've got to be slightly you know, above that and just be the be the conduit for the viewer who, do, who probably doesn't know every single thing about it either. Um, and he learnt that gradually. So, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know at what point I suddenly thought, God, he's really, really got good at this now. Um, it, from, but he did. You know, he, he was kind of he was honest. It's just gradual. Kind of worked with him through all of that, and it's, you know, and it, just as it went along, you felt like he started he started sort of second guess things before you did you know instead of having to steer him through things he would do what des did there with the you know there's nothing wrong with being gray haired he'd start doing those things himself uh and do them quite and his judgment's usually pretty good you know he, he, if you look at something like a lester helicopter crashes you know he handles those things really yeah. well mm-hmm. um whether he would have done whether he'd have been much more perfunctory when he first started 
Um, but some, yeah, somewhere along, I think he's now, I think he's now comparable. I mean, particularly since it's his second career, given that he's, you know, been that good at sport and now he's that good at presenting, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody's ever quite done it like that. No, before. true. Joe, where, where are you on Lineker? Because I, I mean, well, I'm I... quite critical sometimes, but maybe because I love Des. <laughs> well, I was, what I found interesting about Lineker, I remember reading an interview with him in the 90s in 442 or something, and I I found it quite interesting how the BBC had almost hidden him away in other areas as well. So he was doing stuff for Five Live on golf, and obviously he's a big golf fan, and, but he was doing that kind of thing, and he was doing stuff, and he was going to elocution, sort of. Because I listened to his Desert Island Discs, he's up on... Um, oh, it's bad on, music, wasn't it? Terrible music. Oh, God, he likes Simply Red and Phil Collins. That doesn't surprise me, though. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I, I saw that list once, and I was kind of... <laughs> a little bit embarrassed for him. But say. he is the epitome of 80s... 90s footballer in that in that he likes all that music but his voice is very sort of not quite monotone but nearly and he hasn't got like the sort of peaks and troughs and the you know the valleys and everything that he has now so that's definitely been something that he has learned and taken on and i think that's the thing i think the bbc were clever with him sort of bringing him out on telly now and again then there was the guest spots of presenting uh, radio, the radio, tra- the radio training is incredibly. I mean, all the all the best. If you look at people, again, people you don't really notice. If you watch someone like Mark Chapman or Jason Mohammed doing Final Score, I know, yeah, I know everybody watches Jeff Stelling or whatever. But the the radio training is amazing for that kind of thing. I mean, I'm, uh, and that that's presumably why they sent him to the radio because you just learn to react to everything. I think that's true, and I sort of I sort of kind of forgotten he did that. But you're, you're right. That would have that would have been quite smart planning by, I guess that was probably Niall Sloan, whoever, whoever was kind of managing his career at that point, thought, you're not quite ready to be thrown into live World Cup. You need to go and learn your trade a bit. And he was, to be fair to him, he was quite happy to do it. You know, I mean, he could have been, you know, I'm Gary Lineker, how dare you? But I think he actually realised that was that was needed. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go up Sky, forget you. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, flounce off somewhere. No, he's a, he's, he's a smart guy. He's a, he's a, he's a, you know, he's... A, he's um, well, I, I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm hugely defensive. He wrote, he wrote the foreword from a book for a start, which was <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't, he didn't need to do. So, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, and I, do, I do regard him as, as a friend. So he's, uh, I can, I, I can see the destiny. He, he, he's one of those things. You, you're always gonna love your own ear, aren't you? Yeah. So, music, any, anything, you kind of. Well, yeah, have, well have, have, you, nothing's my, ever quite as good as it used to be. Yeah, you know, the, but, my but next I do think he's comparable with the commentators as well. Like There was obviously always this big heated oh, rivalry yeah. in the 90s with um, John Motson and Barry Davis. I'm, I was yeah. always more of a Barry Davis fan. I don't know if that's just because of the part of that era that I grew up on. I just remember his voice more in some of the bigger games. Also, I think Tony Gubber was one of the most underrated commentators yeah. of that era as well. Was the rivalry quite real or was it just a competitive sort of funness between the two of them? It's been a bit of both. I mean, yeah, they, they were lucky in one way, and I've, I've said it in the book, because now you've got eight games, you're yeah. only on for a few minutes, you can't make the same impact those guys made, you know, because they were on for 20 minutes sometimes. If you, particularly back in the day when it was two matches, they would literally have an 18, 20-minute edit. So the light and shade. And someone like Barry, who was lovely at letting the pictures speak, would find something in the crowd to have a little line about all that kind of, which would then build to the occasional shouty bit if a goal went in. It had a lovely light and shade to it, and you just don't get that now, do you? Because you know, you, if you've got a six-minute edit, I used that's the only advice I ever gave to commentators: making noises audible, only the dogs, and everybody would be switching the telly off at ten to midnight. Whereas <laughs> the, the the Barry the Barry Mottier, and also the contrast between the two of them, yeah. they were such different people. I mean, they're both very nice people. I think they, they get on fine. I don't think it wasn't sort of daggers drawn, but obviously it was a professional rivalry in terms of. 
um, you know, who who got it mostly. I mean, Motti won most of those battles yeah, over did, the years, yeah. but there were, there were times when he got cup finals taken off him, World Cup finals taken off him, and it hit him hard. But it wasn't the kind of hatred for Barry. But he's very, you know, you, you, if you if you read what he said about Barry, he recognised that Barry was a better wordsmith than he was. Which he was. Barry had fantastic, you know, would have a line for the ages. Even his Maradona commentary where he, gra- he grabs the mic back from Jimmy Hill and says, oh, you have to say that's magnificent, which is a mm. brilliant bit of commentary because yeah. it not only says, yes, it's an amazing goal, but it's sort of saying, you little soggy, just yeah. cheeky. My, my favourite Barry Davis moment, and it's weird because it's a horrible moment for the England fans of the 90s, when Gareth Southgate misses that penalty and he just yeah. screams, oh no. But it's the, yes. the kind of scream that we were all kind of thinking... He became yeah. unbiased because commentators are technically meant to be biased. I know in an England game they're not, but it just—I I can still hear that if I close my eyes. Yeah, that's right, and, and it was well judged because it wasn't a sort of—it wasn't a sort of hysterical, yeah. patriotic flag wave. It was just exactly how you felt without ever getting, you know, going so far that it. Beca- At least, I mean, I guess he, things like his hockey commentary was a clever one, wasn't it? And these—he he, was—he was I mean, he had probably more memorable. But then Motti on the day—I've done it in the book. The two, the two, the favourite of each of those actually. Um, one's from the 80s, one's from the 90s. I mean, Barry's commentary on the Dennis Bergkamp last-minute winner in the World Cup still yes. gives me goose pimples, you know, with the, the, the quarter-final when he chests it down and volleys against Argentina. And then Motti against... Uh, when Platini did the same sort of thing in um, 84 in the, in the Euros. And they both took an amazing bit of, amazing moment, even without commentary, an amazing moment, and made it a bit better, which is, you know, some achievement, to be honest. If you can, if you can do that, you're obviously pretty good. Yeah. And Gubble was very good too. You're absolutely right. He was he different. He was a, more of a sort of. He was like an old style journalist. He's a brilliant interviewer. Yeah, he, no, would, really, uh, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't let anybody really off the hook. I mean, I'm a voice as well. Yeah, and a different, a very different voice. And the, the, the lovely thing was because those were the only three you ever really ever heard on BBC, and they were all so different. I mean, it, it was a, just it was it was probably a happy accident that it evolved that way, really. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is I mean for me too. I, if I'm doing if I'm reconstructing something in my head, you do it in a motty voice, don't it? It's kind of a you know, and he, and he is a little bit of a train spotter and a bit yeah, of a. Yeah. He's got sort of. I've said the book. He's got slightly Rain Man esque tendencies. When he's in the zone, he turns. He sort of, you know, he's like Dustin Hoffman with counting the cards. He gets into that kind of mode. And then other <laughs> times he's great fun. When he's when he's off duty, he's really good fun. Um, but yeah, I was very lucky to to work there in that era. The current guys are amazingly good because you look at how you look at how the, the names change every season. They've got you know every back in the day when you were doing Liverpool or Leeds in, in the in those in those you know who the team was going to be pretty much. But now, I mean, you, you, you've got to be so on the ball in terms of where people have come from, how you pronounce their names, you know, all the kind of cultural stuff that now surrounds football. So, I mean, the, the homework now is probably off the scale, I would think. And then, then, then they only get their few minutes on the air, so it's difficult now. How about you, Joe? Where do you stand on the the commentators front then? I mean, as I said, I'm a Barry Davis man. Are you Motty Gubber or someone else of that? Yeah. I like, no, I, I do like I do like Barry, but I'm very fond of a bit of flowery vocabulary. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Look at his face. Look at his face. Like, yeah, yeah, that type of thing. Yeah. Plus, no, I think is uh, Barry Davis the only one to be sampled on a rave track because that who are Canton. Scott Cantona looking for the early run. Here he is. Lovely goal. Lovely goal. And he sampled on that. So I quite like that. Oh, Although well. Alan Hansen sampled at the beginning of Three Lions, isn't he? And, and Jimmy Hill and everything. Yeah, so. that's true. Um, yeah. Now, well, for me, it was, yeah, always Barry Davis. Uh, you mentioned Alan Hansen there. We couldn't talk 90s match of the day, Paul, without talking of the, the famous quote from Mr. Hansen. Yes. Um, you don't win anything with kids. Um, I imagine there was no hurrah about it at the time because we all thought he was right. But is that, was that something that became a thing? For him and you as well as part of the production team over the years? 
Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. We, I mean, we, we, we would, we would sort of bring it up subsequently to his, uh, to his discomfort whenever, whenever we could. But it was, I mean, it, it was, uh, it's great to have something you remembered for. Unfortunately, in his case, that was, that was turned out to be wrong, doesn't it? But it was that they lost at Villa, didn't they? Yeah, the first on the only day, yeah, ninety-five. And they, low, and they did look, they did look nowhere near. So I mean, it, it was. I think actually, I've read one of the United team from that. Was it Nicky Butler? Somebody said he was absolutely dead right. You know, they've, they've actually defended or Skulls. One of them has more recently said that was, uh, you know, he was entirely entirely right for saying it. Uh, and then we had to sort of sharpen up quick. But, um, yeah, obviously it was used by Fergie, I think, to motivate them, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. For, the Fergie match of their relationship throughout that era was always a bit, was was interesting, even before he stopped talking the match yeah, today. Where was, he, that he, was he, later he, on, wasn't it? That he stopped yeah, talking. Yeah, but, but at that point, Brian Barwick had been in charge and was, was a Liverpool fan. And uh, Fergie, uh, slightly unfairly, I think, thought the program was, you know, he was, happened to be here when Liverpool were in the league a lot. Uh, and he, he, he turned it into that everybody's got the siege mentality thing that he was brilliant at. And, and he did it at Aberdeen, obviously, but Aberdeen were genuinely a smaller, overshadowed club. Whereas when he, when he went to United, it was a bit rich to kind of make out that the world had it in for them and it was all very unfair. But that was part of it. The Hanson, the Hanson, um, Dalgleish, Barwick axis, he sort of saw as a bit of a, BBC Liverpool. He thought they never won uh, Sports Person. That's team of the year at Sports Personality uh, until Barwick left, and he thought that was something to do with Barwick, which it wasn't. I mean, they won it in '99 when they won the treble, and he couldn't, he couldn't yeah. avoid giving it to them. But it was he, he was clever like that. You know, his psychology was he would, he would be obviously telling the club that we've got to prove everybody wrong, and they've all got it in for us. What was the most? Uh, um, I mean, were you working? Did match of the day cover the Cantona kick? Yeah, it was sport, well, sports night. Sports night. Sports night. Yeah. So what was what was going on that night? What was the what was the process of what was happening? Because I know for a long time the, the Premier League is is it right that they banned it from it being be shown? Yeah. I think that might be right actually. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to remember back to it. It was sports night was always mayhem because it was. I was talking about getting the ITV program ready for seven o'clock. Well, with poorer technology back in the nineties, you were trying to get. League games that week. I think it was a league, that was a league game, wasn't it? But the, most of the weeks it was like cup replays and things, and we, and we would be trying to get them ready for ten o'clock actually, because it wasn't even ten o'clock news, and it was just mayhem. And anything that happened that threw it out of kilter like that just made it even worse. Um, and I wasn't doing that game, but I do remember. I remember it being a huge kerfuffle. There was no, there was no arguing about it. It'd been well covered as well. Alan, Gr- Alan Griffiths was one of our. It was actually our match cameras and he happened to be on it when it happened so at least it didn't need to be sort of pieced together from different angles and reconstructed it was actually well covered and the commentary nailed it Wasn't as well that, like one of Lineker's first sort of you talking about the, the Bon Mott from Lynham but didn't Lineker turn around and say he lost Les Marbles was that I Lineker? think he did yeah that does, that's just, that's yeah, yeah I think he did yeah kind of when he when he was like oh here we go like there might be something yeah. here as he yeah. as a kid that might be right, actually. Yeah, I've got to. I have to go back and look at all that. That was that was that was a program I sort of forgotten about, really. But because the ones I remember midweek generally were cup replays, where um, there was there was a week when everything went to extra time and penalties, and we were trying to get on the air for ten o'clock. Oh, and Brian Barker was edit, editing it. The editor, you know, that normal running order thing I was talking about—the neat sort of how long is everything going to be, what order should it be in—he just said, "I'll leave with whatever's ready." It was literally whatever game you caught. And he was right as well. He was just carnage. We had a uh, we had a Southampton fan working with us, and um, 
they were losing at home at Bolton. They were third division at the time, and it's 94 minutes ago. I thought, thank God, one of these games is finished. We're going to be able to get. It's a legitimate shock. We put that on first. Southampton then equal Barry Horn scored from 35 yards in the 94th minute. And this Southampton fan oh, came out of his edit channel, leaping around like, the, <laughs> like Marco Tardelli, celebrating this goal, and the rest of us were just on the floor. Oh, <laughs> so, um, and Borough, Borough actually managed to lose. You remember this game, John? They managed to, in the end, lose to Portsmouth 4-2. Oh, which yeah. uh, which actually did me a huge favour because it was that was going into extra time as well. It was two all. I think was not long to go. Uh, and they actually, Borough got us out of jail by losing. Which so I remember <laughs> thinking, thank God there's a result. And then later I got home. Oh God, that was the, that was the quarterfinals. Were we caught fifth round? Whatever it would have been in the quarterfinals. Yeah. Of the Cup. It was only like about midnight. And I suddenly thought, blimey! You know, it often happens like that. You end up with the, you end up with the re- thinking about the result once the program's over. Yeah. And well, the I was going to ask you that. I mean, yeah. were you working for my favourite game of the 1990s, Middlesbrough three, Chesterfield three? Uh, oh no, I was at the game. I was at the game. We didn't do it live. We did the other. We did the other. We did the other semi final. Somebody foolishly decided. I think it's Chelsea Wimbledon that that was a more. The relaxed, guy, I think they probably yeah. thought we'd beat Chesterfield fairly easily, and uh, Chelsea Wimbledon was two Premier League clubs, and would be a better game. And mm. obviously, the exact reverse happened. I think Chelsea won easily, and we had the most extraordinary. I was at. I was at that game. Yeah, I, was I, at that I, one. I, I aged. I aged about a decade. <laughs> Great game, great game. We always talk about Janino missing his diving header. Oh, I think that's, that's still the highlight of my favourite moments. I'm sure yeah. that game is why Sean Dyche still hates Middlesbrough. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you, you can sort of forgive him a bit because it was they were, they was pretty cruel, wasn't it? Oh, they were totally robbed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk about VAR. That's one of the when they talk about Maradona and the things that should the VAR would have picked up. That's, that's definitely one, isn't it? Well, how do you? I mean, is that the thing you've got to kind of separate your own club loyalties from? Um, from your professional, from what you got to do and getting the show out. And oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you get some ridiculous ones. Do you remember when we won 3 0? Sorry, sorry about this, Ash. We're going into Borough memory territory here, but we won 3 0 at Arsenal. Um, and we didn't have a shot on target. Didn't have a shot on target. They scored two own goals. I think we had one shot. I think Rickard might have scored, but we scored two own goals. They scored two own goals for us. Hmm. But my, 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 I was doing the program that night, and my main thing was that Man United had played at lunchtime and won. And with that, handed the title to you. He did. He literally did that. So they won at lunchtime. Arsenal needed to either win or draw to keep the thing going. Managed to lose three 0 to us, and it was a total calamity for me doing the program because obviously everybody gone home at Old Trafford. So United have won the league. We've got absolutely no reaction whatsoever. But we completely scuppered everything. <laughs> and, I'm, oh, and, I'm, and, I, and I was, I was, we were scrabbling around. I think we got news. Ca- we got a news camera there, and we grabbed somebody outside. We got some kind of reaction from United, or some of the players just haven't gone home yet. Or we managed to get something together that sort of said United have won the league. Uh, and it was only when I got went home at midnight, I thought, God, I've been going to Highbury for all these years. We haven't won this since the thirties. The last time we won, the Wealth Manning had been playing in the thirties. Um, <laughs> and, and it suddenly occurred to me at midnight, wow, we won at Arsenal. And that was the first time it actually occurred to me that's a great result because mm-hmm. up until then it'd been a complete pain in the bum. The whole thing had been a, the whole thing had caused me professional misery, which is kind of typical Borough, isn't it? They do something amazing and it actually causes you professional hardship. It happened yeah. a lot that you know, quite often you would just have to divorce what you wanted to happen from what was good for you professionally mm. which is why in a way it's nice to be out of it from that point of view because it does, it does do your head in the end. I do have a, li- <laughs> I have a little window of that because um, in my day job as um, at Kick Magazine when QPR were in the Premier League I found myself trying to put them on a the cover every issue and <laughs> wasn't allowed because they weren't a big you know we, have, we always have the big players on the front cover being the kids magazine yeah. Um, yeah Charlie Austin wasn't in the league with Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo but I did try so I, I, I have a small window uh, into that um, before... <laughs> you yeah, got away with it back in the day Stan, Stan Bowles or Les Ferdinand well, yeah exactly in the yeah. top London club 92, 93 keeping it 90 yeah. Oh, yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, you were the 70s as well. I mean, yeah, the, yeah. No, actually, the 90s 
the nineties were quite a golden era. You were you were a really decent team, weren't you? Well, I, went, I went with Will, I went with Wilf Mannion once for Loftus Road. There's a story for you in the in the nineties. <laughs> Middlesbrough supporters South because he was a lovely old boy, Wilf, and he he'd been sort of forgotten for a long time. And then I think when Steve Gibson came in, they kind of rehabilitated. There's a statue there and everything now. But he'd been sort of he was doing odd jobs in in ICI and things like that you know, for years, which just shows you how badly old pros were treated. Uh, and the Middlesbrough supporters South clubbed together and got him to come down to London for one of their dues. And for whatever reason, I was working around the corner and got the afternoon off and actually took it, took him into the director's box at uh, QPR Borough. Um, which, so that was, that was a fond, a fond memory of Loftus Road. I mean, to fair QPR, they were great. And they heard that you know, this old legend was coming down and they, they weren't having him sitting in the away, in the away end where he couldn't see no, it, you know, and <laughs> they put him somewhere he could actually see the game. Yeah. And I think we, we drew 1-1. One, one. So, um, yeah, that was, that, game, was a, that was a very fond memory. The game I always remember, apart from the 5-0, which we've always mentioned at the end of the decade, there's a game between Key Palmer and Lisbon, I think it's at Ayrson Park earlier in the decade, which is 3 all. Yeah, yes. That's vaguely The other one, the other big one, I remember six six one. Oh, that's earlier. That's the eighties. That's the eighties. Before your time. Yeah, yeah. Before your time. We borrow had to borrow your away kit. We didn't turn Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in the cheap plug of my own book here. That's in the keeper Miscellany, which is probably out of date now, but I, I wrote a few years ago. Um, Do you know that ended up that ended up in the match of the day, Middlesbrough video. This is how bad the footage of Borough was. Joel knows before before I got involved, or before we started covering more games. But they, when they put together a video in the sort of late 80s or 90s on VHS, they actually put in it QPR 6, Borough 1. I mean, like anybody <laughs> wanted to watch that again. I mean, I, <laughs> I, was, I was there and I just, it was, uh, Clive Allen got a hat-trick. I think he got promoted, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. It was funny to say that because uh, I had a VHS sort of, biggest of, the, I've ever seen. of the 5 nil that was 98. They sold a VHS in the club shop of that because, you know, we were very bad at that point. But they didn't have a cover for it randomly. They just sold it as a VHS tape. Which is so nice. <laughs> so I bought it and then made my own cover. So I got an old VHS cover oh, and then kind of cut out badges and put them, yeah. So yeah, that's what that was. What buying video VHS was like at the QPR club shop in the nineteen nineties. Uh, we've been going yeah. um, near, over an hour now talking match today, and it's been fast, absolutely fascinating. But before we go, um, I just want to talk to Paul about his favourite kind of moments. We've kind of gone through a few of them as we go, but maybe some stories from the show uh, of, of just working with on this such this ginormous. Gigantic force of football. Do you have any favourite moments and games you remember from your time there? Do you want to go specifically nineties or? Obviously, um, well, yeah, I, I, keep I, it nineties. The, the, the first, <laughs> the first big match I ever did, which was was a real thrill. I've done, I've done a few bits and pieces, but I did in ninety two. Uh, and Joel, remember this? Borough uh, played Man City in the cup. When we only had the cup, this is the, the season before we got the Premier League. Uh, so all we had in terms of football that you could work on was FA Cup, basically. Uh, so I think it was, was it third round? It would have been third round, I think. So we drew Man City. We were about fifth in the Premier, in the top flight at the time, first division as it was. We were a decent team heading for, for promotion, but it was it was regarded as a possible shock. So Essen Park, I'm editing for the first time, logging the game and thinking how exciting. And it, better than that, City take the lead early on. And then we scored twice late on. Paul, Paul Wilkinson, I think, scored both of them. Uh, and we actually beat them. And I thought, wow, this is fantastic. I'm going to get a league match on match of the day. This is, you know, I'll go, how, 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 how long have I got? I'll go and check. I must, they must give me 20 minutes for this. It's brilliant. I think uh, Motti was commentating. Everything about it had fallen nicely. And I was looking forward to doing my edit. And I came out and they just threw me back in the channel and said, Wrexham 2, Arsenal 1. You've got five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> so so one, of the best, one of the best memories in terms of the game. And then professionally, it was suddenly, yes, yeah, sorry, you might think you've got an important game, but Wrexham just beaten Arsenal. So clear off. <laughs> um, so that was that was that, that was my first ever ever Borough game anyway. So 
Can you tell us about? We haven't actually talked about World Cups and Euros. Oh yeah, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, did all, I did all of them in the nineties. Yeah. Oh good. my goodness. Oh, we've been yeah, it's well, Italian. Now. Italian. <laughs> I was, I was, on, I was a ju- the, the junior member of the production team on Italian. I did a lot of the music items. I did the Gaza music music item, which you probably I don't know if you remember it, but got quite a lot of attention at the time just because it sort of captured him, and it wasn't it wasn't that great a music item, but at the time it, it sort of caught the nice the national mood. So that got me. Let's that's find got me it, Ash, and put it on the Twitter. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's, yeah it's probably, it's probably, it probably looks absolutely. It probably looks very sort of primitive by cup, but there was hardly any shots. You know, you only had like, as you'll remember from when you came and logged, you didn't have all the lovely shots you had now. So I've got everything that was there and made the best I could of it. Uh, so I did that in '90, and then um, yeah, obviously '94. Uh, um, oh, my favourite. I was, I was a sort of music item. I was the kind of music item because I, I, also I was relatively young, so I knew my music at that point. So so there was lots of you know I'd be. Using the Mock Turtles or REM or whatever, you know, big, big, I was very, I was almost hip at the time, and then I <laughs> hand, handed that over when I got too old, and nobody's interested in my music anymore. Because um, I, the BBC Three ninety four was America, wasn't it? From uh, yes, yeah, if I remember rightly, yeah. Well, but that was they, they didn't have a theme tune a few weeks to go. There, there was there was there was a big movement to use um, Jimi Hendrix's Star Spangled Banner, which I th- I thought was a brilliant idea. Yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. that massive sort of wacky. Rip, massive I think I think, it got, I think it got vetoed at top levels for not being respectful enough. Because ITV so they, had they, the they had that Glory Land, which I think is one of the most like cheesiest openings. Oh, to, did they? Yeah. Oh, did, yeah they, they didn't have a very good World Cup '94. They were in a bunker in Dallas, weren't they? I think they, I think they really went wrong for. Them. I think they had a really bad. That was their sort of their their nadir of World Cups. I think uh, ITV '94. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, also Euro '96, which was you know um, Walk Away by whatever it was, whoever it was that closing cast. thing on. Yeah, cast on that's right on, um, on England Germany. Uh, and then '98, when uh, which was my last one before I became an editor. So again, I did loads of. I did another girl, another planet. The thing that David Ginola hugged me, hugged me for in '98. I did all. I basically the whole of Brazilian football history, and I've worked out that you could use all pretty much all the lyrics in the song as long as you replace goal occasionally with girl. And that, and, it, and then the goal, the goal had the goal was the big sort of Brazilian commentary. So you get another, you know, goal, another planet. <laughs> very, very, very naff when you look back at it now, but it didn't have work. Uh, that guitar solo with every single goal you've ever seen from Brazil in the, in the middle of it, and at the end of it, generally just stood up and hugged me, which I thought was <laughs> worth it on its own. You know, I mean, I mean one of the, one of the, you're not going to get a better man love moment than that. No, not well. There's a lot, as we said, there's a lot of housewives that definitely love that man love. Well, even I, to be honest, even I, I would, quite, yeah, quietly as, as a happily married heterosexual where, where man. Where did he write? Where did he rate Joe in Family Fortunes? Oh, number eight was on Family Fortunes. Oh, one yeah. year, uh, yeah, your sexiest foot was the ninety. <laughs> he was in there, wasn't he? Wasn't he, he was second. Yeah, second right. to Beckham. No, no, Beckham was yeah, top. Second then to Beckham. Was then it was uh, Ryan Giggs. Yeah, yeah it was Shearer. Shearer was in there. Shearer was in there. Yeah, yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought that, I, thought, I thought that invalidated it immediately. I mean, I mean, I, mean, I love Shearer, but he's as ugly as me. I mean, it's not just ridiculous. Paul was, in fact, he's very similar looking to me. Sort of bald. I think headed, maybe you know. they went Pauling in Newcastle. Yeah, they must have done. Yeah, yeah I think that's all. I think that's what it was. I think it was a club. It's a bit like when they used to get people to go vote for goal of the season who's voted for their own club, didn't they? It's not, yeah, it's not, it's not, a, not an objective opinion, that one. <laughs> no. Well, you, I remember Match of the Day voting Trevor Sinclair goal of the season above Mr David Beckham's hit and hope in oh, 1997. Yeah, which is fair enough. That's one of my favourite goals ever. Barnsley, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, ridiculous goal. Yeah, yeah. No, that, I'd, I'd, I'd give that plenty of... I'd, I'd, I'd uh, go along with that one. Yeah, it's Joel's favourite goal of the 90s, as we always say. It is, yeah. yeah. It is. It's my favourite. Well, well, I mean, Trevor Sinclair. My favourite non-Middlesbrough. Yeah, I'd probably go with that. I can't think of a better one. Yeah, and the favourite borough is that the diving header, the Janino diving header. The diving header, Janino diving header. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'll, or I'll, sometimes it's off against Leeds, but I think that's just because I, you know, because of the Janino pass and the finish from Fjord. Oh uh, yeah, I'd be on the goal. It's, 
I was behind that goal with a camera for that one. It was, it was oh, one yeah. Of those, yeah, because again, it was sort of, I can't remember how it was done, but we only had sort of limited coverage of it. So they sent me up there and we got all the shots, we got all the shots of him coming out and various other bits and the Samba band and all that. So I did a little feature on it. Yeah, and I was actually literally right behind that as he did it. It was just uh, coming towards me. It was a wonderful moment. When I was in front of the Leeds fans as well, so I had to sort of slightly <laughs> Slightly turned me down. I was going to give it loads, and I thought, no, about five thousand of these people behind me. They're not they're not known to be friendly to us, so uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I reined it in a bit. And to keep it theme, my outside of Loftus Road, my favourite goal was the Burkamp Barry Davis World Cup '98. That is a goal. Oh, yeah, it's just yeah, a yeah, pure wonderful. yeah, a goal that friend of the show Nashi Nakrani called overrated on this show once, which we nearly ousted no, him. I, I know, oh, I know. He hasn't been on since. He hasn't been on since. Put it yeah, that way. Quite right. Yeah, and quite he's right. come off Twitter. And he's come off Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> the amount of pelters we gave him. Indeed. There were a few Burkham goals in the nineties. Be fair, well, there was that, oh, the the whole, hat trick, that yeah. whole hat trick against Leicester. Yeah. One, two, three, and goal of the month. And the one at New was it the Newcastle one. Was that in the nineties? It's the, the It's a two thousand, but we allowed to talk oh, about it because yeah. we allowed ninety-nine, two thousand. Yeah, because it's yeah. There's a goal I the one always gets forgotten against Sunderland in the FA Cup as well, where he where the celebration he cups his mouth is to say, "Oh my God!" Oh yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What have I just done? Yeah, it's a great goal. Well, it was just typical Burkham that cut in and then that curl into the top corner. That was quintessential Dennis Burkham. And I, I always say, and I've probably said it, I beat it. You know, it's another bingo on here. He's for me, he's the best. Best import the Premier League has ever seen. I like. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, he's certainly up. There. I mean, I, 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 he's just so classy. Just different. It? It's, the one, it's, it's one apart from what, what he did for us. It's the other thing Bruce Pioff did for, for uh, in yeah. football, isn't it? I mean, obviously yeah. he, he, he took Borough from from um, bankruptcy to the top flight, which we'll, we'll never forget. But yeah, that he brought he brought Bergkamp in, which gets slightly forgotten, doesn't it? But not a great assistant manager at Loftus Road, though it has to be said. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll finish on that point. Um, thank you very much. Have another plug for the book. I'm going to give a plug for the book. Thank you. Yeah, Paul, where can people buy this book and, and... It's, uh, well it should be about i mean they, they keep running out on amazon but which is well, I think that's it's a, a good sign, sign yeah i think it's a good sign or maybe they just didn't print enough but yeah it is available on the all the usual outlets smiths walkstons it was actually on the shelves in smiths in middlesbrough when i was up for the qpr game so that was a, a, a life highlight yeah. that's where i used to that's where I used that, to that is good yeah because you know you'll know bob fisher do you paul yeah yes absolutely yes everybody <laughs> sees yeah Fish says uh, Bob Fish for those who don't know is, is a presenter on BBC T's and like he took every time he goes to the shop and sees a picture of uh, one of his books, you know he's always there taking a selfie of himself with it. But he's still just so thrilled. <laughs> it is a thrill, yeah. I mean, because Smiths and Middlesbrough is where I used to stand and read things and not pay for them. So it was a, it's a fr- <laughs> I hope people aren't doing that to me. They better bloody buy them. Yeah, buy the yeah. book. Don't just do that. Yeah, buy the book. Um, and you're on Twitter. You're on Twitter as well, Paul. Where can people follow you on Twitter if they want to yeah, talk to you? Uh, at- what am I called? At Armoning, which is a reference to the fact that I'm a, can, I can be a bit of a, a bit of a, a grumpy sod. But um, yeah, so A R M and then the word moaning. So Armo was my nickname, and then moaning. It's a, it's a, a very clever hybrid. Portman, Portman, Portman. That's the word. And there yeah, we go. Excellent yeah. word. Yeah, excellent word. Well done, uh, Joel. People know already, but where can people find you on the social? Yeah, it's uh, Joel Baby tweets. All one word. Lovely, lovely job. You're rattling on about uh, what's going to happen with Middlesbrough this week, and I missed top the pops, both top the pops this week. Oh, so so you need you need to catch up then. Do, yeah. yeah, you definitely need to catch up. Uh, but you can follow me at Ashrose UK on uh, Twitter and Instagram. But more importantly, follow the show at AK90s on Twitter and AK90s Pod 
on Instagram. Um, again, buy Paul's book, Why We're On Life Last. It's out now, all good bookstores and some bad ones, along with the Life and Kicking book as well, if you want to buy that. It's a bit old now, but yeah, yeah, why not buy the both and get some 90s nostalgia into your life? Um, I've been Ash Rose. Thank you very much to Paul. Thank you to Joel. Thank you for listening and downloading, as always. We'll be back very soon with much, much more from the 90s. Yes, there's still stuff to cover. We'll find something, don't you worry. But until then, keep it 90s.